Hi, this is Gordon Davis, and you're listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Hello, the Fulham Focus Podcast is back. My name's Matt Wachler. Welcome to a new season where Fulham are under new management. We're back in the Championship. We're excited to see whether we can get three successive promotions from the Championship under the guidance of Marco Silva this time. First up this season is Middlesbrough at home on Sunday and what better way to celebrate Craven Cottage being full again than by getting one over on Neil Warnock. Your first co-host for the season are Georgia's very own Don Love and Moncton FC's number one Matt Stato-Arta. Come on then lads, let's get on with it. Right, lads. Well, football's back at Craven Cottage. I'd expect the full crowd on Sunday. Borough sold out their allocation of 1,000 tickets in just four minutes. They got an extra 600 sent up, according to their website. The game's on TV with a 1.30pm kickoff on Sunday. Lads, how good is it to be back seeing fans back in the grounds again? I know I've done a couple of podcasts already this season and I've asked the same question, but I don't think we can talk enough about this. Uh, I'm buzzing. I am. I'm, I'm so looking forward to the season being back, and with fans. I, I felt last year was rubbish, mainly because we got relegated, and mainly because we didn't play that well. But also, in a large fact, there was no fans, and it was just watching the game week in, week out on Sky or BT, Amazon, and it was you had to use the fake fan noise. That the fact that's all gone now. It's just football back to where it is with the fans, and yeah, I'm absolutely buzzing for the new season. The thing with that fake fan noise as well was whenever a shot went close to the goal, somebody who was in charge of that fake fan noise pressed the cheer and then immediately like, turned it down again. So it's just, it was shit, wasn't it? The football was rubbish. The end result was rubbish in us getting relegated. Watching football from your sofa. I know plenty of people do it and enjoy it, but it's just not for me. I like to be there. I like to like to be there with all the Fulham fans, having having that atmosphere and having that excitement and sharing it all together. Don, what are your thoughts? Well, I would think that you guys would have uh, known better. you got to mute the commentators that are being announced, and you've got to turn on in the background gentleman Jim instead and Jamie and just listen to them instead. So you don't get any of that fake background noise. You don't get any of that bullshit cheering. It's just true commentary from people that love Fulham. So that's what I do. Uh, I will say, as far as fans back, I really hope that it happens and that it, it, it's able to continue because I do think having the fans in the stands can affect the flow of the game. And what I mean by that is that, you know, if you're cheering on the team there in the, in the stadium, they pick up on that vibe and I think they'll play harder, you know, uh, versus if there's nobody really there, you know, the only people yelling at them is their teammates and uh, I guess the, 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 their coach. So, it's been, yeah, it's been a, a bizarre, obviously it's been a bizarre 18 months, but sitting watching the Olympics at the moment, uh, you know, and they're still in empty empty stands over in Japan as well. I think it was the um, the Taekwondo girl, Jade Jones, who said that she she fought in, in her in her match when she got knocked out and just said it felt like a training match because because there was nobody, uh, no, no crowd, no atmosphere sparing her on. 
And I'm just hoping that, that this season that we can be that 11th man because when Craven Cottage is, is rocking, it's, it's, there's a great atmosphere in there. We've got a brand new stand that isn't quite ready for this season, but things are looking up for us. Even It seems bizarre, even though we've just been relegated, but I think we've got a lot to be positive about this season. You know, the other thing for me is uh, in four years, five years, this is going to be year two that I haven't been able to go to the cottage. Usually I, for the last five years, I've been traveling over and I see at least two matches while I'm there. So I need this stuff to be settled and figured out. Uh, doesn't feel like it's going any anywhere anytime soon, but it does feel like it's getting under control. And for, for me, this, this is a, a, a big step. And it felt like a big step before Christmas, actually, when we were allowed to go to that Liverpool game and then, Everything went south after that for another few months, but it feels now like because because there's a vaccine and you know I, I, I don't want to talk about COVID at all, but you know now that now that we've got a vaccine, life is getting back to normal and getting back to football and being able to watch the team live with everybody else as well it is a massive step for me. You know, worst case scenario uh, here in Georgia, they don't seem to care at all. So you do, you guys just need to hop on a plane, do your five days uh, isolation, whatever. I'll take you to an MLS game. Uh, here, I'll tell you that, that they, they, the away, the uh, home team stands behind the goal. Those guys never stop uh, cheering. They never stop beating the drum. It's just crazy. I've I've yet to see fans that are as nuts as some of the guys that go to this one. So that's that's the beauty of watching watching anything live. Just you know, take, taking in that experience and that atmosphere. Um. Stato, what, what do you make of our transfer business so far this season? I mean, we've only brought in Gazaniga, uh, the goalkeeper, and Harry Wilson. But Harry Wilson seems like a, an excellent bit of business, doesn't he? Yeah, definitely. Um, his stats go to show that in the championship last year with Cardiff. Uh, he got his hat-trick on the last game of the season. I think it was all goals outside the box. We finally have that kind of set-piece specialist and someone who should be able to kind of give service to Mitro and all the other attacking players, which is good to see. Uh, Gazaniga, I think he's a solid goalkeeper to have. Um, whether he'll be number one or whether Rodak will be number one, that will play out throughout the season. But I think what is good is that we have that solid competition for Rodak now. Um, last, I mean, last two seasons ago, there was that to an extent with him versus Betts, but then Rodak just pulled clear. So it's kind of good to have a new keeper in the mix to kind of give him that competition. Um, all in all, from Fulham's standard in terms of how our transfer windows have been in previous seasons, it's been pretty quiet, to be honest. But then at the same time, the window, it's not due to close really for another month or so. So it's a bit unusual that the season is starting so early with the window closing later. Obviously, because the last couple of seasons, they implemented the rule where they wanted the transfer window to close before the season started, which didn't really work out. So they've gone back to what it was before. Um, so... Although this season is starting, we've got new faces in. I would expect lots of lots more changes to happen, both in and out, before the season ends. And the the old song, Maxime Lamarchon, he plays for Fulham with Seri and Fabry. Um, do you see many Fulham players leaving the club before the transfer window closes on the thirty first of August? Ah, oh, they, they have to. I mean, it, we have a stupid amount of players at the moment, um, especially in in defence. Players have to leave um, just because they won't get game time here, uh, because we need to free up wages and free up transfer fees. We need to 
yeah, we just need to kind of thin the squad out. It's not he- it's not healthy to have such a bloated squad when it comes to when the season starts. You want a good balance of players that know they can get game time, that can be competitive, mixed with the youth, and having too many senior professionals kind of ruins that balance a bit. So, for sure, players should be leaving. Um, it's just a case of what players will leave, whether it's a kind of higher-end Angisa, maybe Mitrovic-type players, or whether you know it's the kind of squad fodder like Lamarche and Odoi, um, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, it'll be... It'll be I would I would expect players to leave. Uh, I'm just not quite sure who yet, to be honest. I think I think we've got 29 in the squad at the moment, right? And have you got the 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 rules there about what we need to abide by? I think 25 players is it in the squad in the championship? Yeah. So in respect of championship clubs, um, clubs can have 25 players, of which a minimum of eight must be a homegrown player. So we're fine in terms of homegrown players from that 25, from all of the from all the professionals that we have, uh, the Kearneys, the Joe Bryans, uh, Rodak, counts as homegrown. So we, we got more than we got at least eight homegrown players there. Uh, so the fact that 25 need to be registered, um, fairly sure academy players. So Cavalio again, maybe Rodak, um, don't need to be part of that. Um, but yeah, there's still a lot of thinning out that needs to be done, and. Just coming back to that statement, so 25 players of which eight must be a homegrown player. I just wanted to look up what the definition of a homegrown player is, because obviously there is some confusion around whether um, Rodak is a homegrown player, whether players like Hector or Bobby Reed are homegrown players. So the definition that I found here is that a homegrown player in the EFL is any player regardless of nationality, who has been registered with any club associated with the English or Welsh FA for at least three years before reaching 21 years old. So by that, I think Bobby Reid and Hector do count because they would have been with a club three years before reaching 21. They, they were in the youth, they were in the English Youth Academy set up for three years, despite the fact that now represent Jamaica. I think they do qualify as a homegrown players, as do players like Rodak, as does Cavallio. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're, we're well set in terms of the homegrown quota. It's just that number and quantity that we need to get down. We need to trim the fat. I mean, we've, we've got 12 defenders on the books at the moment. And you're right, I, I don't really see any need to keep hold of Dennis Adoy anymore as much as I love him. Um, I'm sat here with his face on my T-shirt at the moment, so it feels <laughs> a little bit like like sacrilege. But we've got Tete, Hector, Adoy, Congolo, Reem, uh, Tussin, Maxime Lamarchon, Christy, Brian, Alfie Mawson, Anthony Robinson, Stephen Sessignon. That, that's too yeah. many. Clearly, we can get rid of some defenders from from that lot, can't we? Six fullbacks out of that. We've got uh, six centre-backs plus Adoy as well on top of that. Yeah. If you include Adoy, that's seven sets, seven senior centre backs alone. Yeah, uh, you don't need seven senior centre backs. I'd say you need five at a max. I did like four or five. You have your two mains. You have some backups. Yeah, you don't need seven. And then you look at the full backs at right back alone. We have Tete, Christie, um, and Sess. Out of those three, you'd say that Christie's probably. You know, we don't need him. You have Tete as your main right back. Sess as like a as a backup, uh, second choice, and then left back. You want to keep Brian and Robinson. You know they're good players to have that can they can play in different positions. Um, so yeah, you need to trim the fat, but at the same time, 
as weird as all the players we have, I'd still say we still need to reinforce in some areas. So whereas defence is way too bloated, you look at midfield and I'd say we still look quite thin on the ground, although we have Seri and, and Anguissa, Reed, Onoma and Kearney. You, you, you look at that midfield and we're lacking that kind of midfield grip, that more defense, defensive midfield. Uh, also, you have Harrison Reed, but Reed's not going to last 46 games. Like As good as he is, he's just, he's just not. He's going to pick up an injury. He's going to pick up a booking or a suspension. So you're going to want cover for that. And you, we saw that against Chelsea, really. Um, he, Reed wasn't playing, so then we were looking at Tyrese uh, Francois. Um as our defensive midfielder, which is fine. He's breaking through, but you don't want to kind of put all your eggs in a youth player for, you know, in a, in a key position like that. So, yeah, there's still some recruitment to be done, I think. Yeah, I think Marco Silva would agree with you as well. I watched his press conference, his first press conference the other the other day, uh, where he said that for sure there's going to be more players coming in, which means that we're going to have to start moving players out, even if it's on loan. I've got a feeling Anguisa is going to stay, you know. He's in all of the press pitches um, and he seems to be involved in the squad as well at the moment. What, what do you think, Dom? Where, where do you see or who do you see going, if anyone? Okay, so based on if they've been in all the photo shoots and everything, including the new video that just came out a couple of hours ago of the media, whatever, in, in, behind the scenes, that means that uh, Le Marchand is going to be staying, right? MLM is staying then. Yeah, <laughs> I've got no, I've got no problem with Maxi. I don't have a problem with him. It's I just I think he gets a rough ride. You're right, you know, but it's like you were just saying. I'm looking at the website and I'm counting 12 players. So if you're going through the back line, I hate to say it, but I don't see Alfie Mawson going anywhere just because. Who's going to take him? He's always hurt. He's still coming off an injury. So there's yeah. somebody that, you know, is going to probably be staying. You would think Steven's going, uh, Session. You would think that uh, I would have thought that, you know, MLM would be going, that Limachon would be going. You would think that Adoy would be going. Um, now, you know, you talk about the midfield, back to what uh, Stato was just talking about. We keep getting talked about uh, that Matt Grimes is going to come in. Um, supposedly he could be like another Reed. I don't think he's as good, at least what I've seen as Reed, but I guess there's a backup. So, you know, if you do bring in these players, again, somebody's going to have to go. What uh, wasn't Kamara? He, somebody said he's being looked at for 4 million by, um, who was it? Aries. Yeah, right. So there's talk out there, but I think it's still a really big unknown quantity as to who, Silva wants and is and who he's going to keep you know what exactly is his preferred defense what is going to be his preferred midfield so well I I was looking earlier and I saw that Marco Silva either plays 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-3 I don't necessarily agree that with the players that we've got we need to go as defensive as 4-2-3-1 but if we were to do that then the two could be Grimes and Reed if Grimes did come in but I'd like to see us go 4-3-3 because that's a, a formation that's worked so well for us in the championship in the past. We've got promoted twice using that formation. You say it's it's worked and, and we did get promoted, but yet if I'm not, I, I don't want to be negative because it's a start of a new season. We need to be on a positive note. But if we're looking at the current squad and how we've played in the past, with the exception of that one season where Metro was on fire, we lack goals still and the creativity coming out of it. So we really need to figure out how are we going to unlock that creativity? Who's going to be that person that, you know, oh my God, is 
Tom Carney, you know, a couple of years ago. Well, I, w- I was looking at this earlier as well. And Harry Wilson, Harry Wilson played 37 times for Cardiff last season. He scored seven goals, but uh, 11 assists he got, which I think could be really key. If you've got Joe Bryan um, feeding Mitrovic again, that could work. Looking at the other players that potentially could uh, could play on the wing, Knockhart played 34 times for Forest last season, scored twice with one assist. So not great. Um, Cavalero last season, of course, was playing all over the place up front. He played 36 times for us and scored three goals, but didn't get any assists. Cabano on loan at Middlesbrough, 18 games, one goal, three assists. Um, Bobby Reed, of course, in the Premier League, another player who played in multiple positions, including right wing back, uh, 33 games, five goals, two assists. So I think if you're looking for who's going to be the provider this season, based on those stats, Harry Wilson is is going to be key. And I think also if Joe Bryan's in the side, then he'll also be key. Yeah, I think I think that's going to largely be the case. Um, I think what's also worth pointing out is, um, you know, I think what was generally accepted under Scott Parker was that we played a bit conservative at times, a bit safe maybe. And I think maybe there's the expectation that under Silva, we will be a bit more, we'll be playing a bit more offensive. We'll be going forward a lot more, um, almost a bit more direct in, in a way. Mm. And you'd like to think, and I, I'm, I'm living in the hope that playing this more offensive brand of football can get the best out of the likes of Cavalero and Knockart, who prior to joining us did have quite a good reputation of being in the championship and, and in the Premier League at times. Um, and I think if he can get a tune out of one or both of them, there's a great source of goals and assists there from, from them. But, you know, that's kind of a big if. Um, I'm kind of willing to give all players a blank slate under a new management, under a new playing system and a style. And I'm hoping, you know, we can get to see a, a, a newly invigorated Cavalero, Knockart, Cabano um, under this Marco Silva team. We've also been linked, of course, with Rodrigo Muniz. Um, he scored six goals in 20 games for Flamengo last season in Brazil. Uh, he was strongly linked with a move to Sunday's opponents, Middlesbrough as well. It's difficult to kind of see where he's going to fit in at the moment. We're, we're hoping Mitrovic is going to stay, and, and I think he will. Um, that's I've got no inside knowledge. That's just gut feeling. But... Like you say, if if Kamara's going, then we're going to need we're going to need backup. We're going to need somebody else to bring on. Or if Mitrovic gets injured, or when Mitrovic gets suspended, which is bound to happen at some point in the season because it always does, someone else is going to have to come in. Um, Morgan in the team chat the other day um, uh, pointed out that you know he's it's going to take him a while to acclimatize a twenty year old coming in from South America. He's not just going to stroll straight into a team in the championship in in a new country and start banging in the goals. And of course, if he doesn't, uh, you know, start banging in the goals, then people will get on his back and say he's rubbish. So it, that, that's kind of a difficult situation for him if he does sign, particularly because he's going to cost us a few million quid as well. Yeah, I think he'll just kind of be a backup to Michel, which is fine. I think it's a good way to kind of integrate it, him into the team. The reported fee is eight million. So what I would say about that is kind of, I don't want fans to get cut like expect him to be hit the ground running and be this amazing player. Um, but you know, I think it's good to finally have a backup proper striker um, because you know 
since we've had Mitro, we haven't had a proper out-and-out striker other than him. But we had Josh Madger, actually. I forgot about him. Easily forgettable. Yeah. Um, so it'll be good to actually have a proper striker in backup. Um, one player we've actually forgot about, forgotten about when we're talking about creativity and goals is Fabio Carvalho, where he'll play this season as well. So it'll be interesting to see how he gets on. Well, I wanted to ask ask you guys about Carvalho anyway. How much of a role do you think he'll play this season, Don? I mean, he got the goal against Charleston on uh, on Saturday in the friendly. And um, I think he's featured quite a bit in pre-season. Uh, he linked up very well, actually, for that goal against Charleston with, with Francois, who cut the defence open. And it was a really good finish. I see him playing quite a big part. You know, actually, those two players, they look like they could be the part. And I like that for once... They're they're currently listed as the first team players, and there isn't any talk of these academy players, you know, having their heads turned and going off to Arsenal or Spurs or whoever. So I, I think from what I've read, Silva really likes to develop youth and he likes to play the youth academy players. So if he chose those two to help develop this year, I think it would be fantastic. And to see both of them play on a regular basis, I'm not saying start every time. Because I, I do think, I'm not putting them down. They're still young. They haven't really bulked up yet. And for the championship, you know, you kind of want to have some weight about you. Uh, so I'm not saying that they're going to start every game. But I could see them having a big part in this. So uh, real quick, you know, you guys keep talking about where we can get other players, but possible Mitchell backup. You know, and there's links to Will Hughes. There's weak links to uh, uh, Dembele, uh, uh, you know, so there are a couple of players, supposedly, but then if those guys come in again, who's going out? Will, Will Hughes would be a good one, but he's a midfielder. But we, we spoke about him on the last podcast, I think, as a player that we have been linked with because he's turned down a new contract at Watford. But he, he'd be an excellent addition to the squad for sure. But you're right. The more players that we bring in, the more we've got to, we've got to ship out. So I'm sure the club are on top of all of this. And we I think yeah. is just speculating, aren't we? But it's, it's the, the club's on top of it. They're going to bring in J-Mac's favourite player, AK, right? He's going to be the backup striker. Jesus. Well, with a little bit of luck, he's going to leave. I can't, I can't even believe he's still at the club. But anyway, let, let's, let's not be negative. Let's not be negative. Um, Middlesbrough, of course, managed by everyone's favourite, Colin Warnock. They finished 10th in last season's championship under Warnock. And of course, they had Marcus Bettinelli and Niskins Cabano on loan last season. Betts has left Fulham now and gone to Chelsea. But guys, do you think this could be Cabano's season to make that right wing spot his own? He, last time we had him at the end of the championship, he was banging in the goals. And that was kind of his, his only real proper run in the team. He's always, always been a bit part player, even though he seems like he's been here forever. Stato, you're turning your nose up. Go on, mate. What, what are you thinking? I think... Well, he's a charismatic guy. We all love him. He scored the free kicks. But I think he's always going to just be a squad player for Fulham, um, in the Championship especially. I think if you look at the other options we have, uh, Bobby Decadova reed he's a hard worker. And I think he'll he'll work his way into that team and he'll be a mainstay. Then you have Cavaloro, you have Knockout, you have Harry Wilson and Carvalho. I just... I, I can't see him being a mainstay in this team at all, um, but I do think he will still have quite a big contribution, like he did last season. He's like I said, he's a good squad player to have. He's he will pipe he will you know pipe up every now and then in a, in a random game and just score a goal or get an assist. But yeah, I, I don't think he'll kind of become a mainstay in the starting eleven for us. I, you know, I would agree with that. I, I I see him more as a squad player. I think the right wing 
is going to be more back and forth being fought by either Bobby uh, Reed or Wilson. I think one of those two will kind of be fighting for it. Now the question will be, what does Silva do with Bobby Decker Reed? You know, hopefully he's not going to say, okay, Hey, I want you to be that uh, more of the swinging fullback, you know, cover the fullback and constantly go way, way back and drop in. I'd like to see Bobby can get really creative. So I'd like to see him when he's coming out of the midfield and stuff, being that link up guy that makes things happen. So I could see one of those two, Wilson or Bobby, being kind of that right wing right now as the main guy. Yeah, it's, it's frustrating because Wilson has got a, a decent track record at this level. Uh, Welsh international, Baldo loves him. And it, he's an exciting player, a really exciting player. But you're right, Bobby Reed at championship level, his record for Bristol City that season was superb. He never really got going in the championship under us, but arguably last season in the Premier League, he, he looked pretty good. Um, then you've got Caviero, who's probably going to play somewhere. Um, and he, he likes the right wing. And Knockout's knocking around the, the first team. Obviously, he's more of a, a, a left-sided player, but he can play on the right and cut in. So we, we do have a lot of wingers. There's a lot of strength in depth there. Um, I, and, and I know people aren't necessarily going to be, there's not going to be a love in for Knockart. Um, and after Caviero last season, who was very frustrating at times, even though he is being played out of position, it, there's there's not going to be a love in for him either. But it's a, it's a clean slate and we've, we've got to give these guys a chance to fight it out. And I think the competition will push all of those players on. I think uh, one thing I keep thinking about, like a, a general theme or a, a word to sum up, you know, the, the anticipation of the season for me is is redemption. It's redemption for the players that got us relegated to try and get us back up again. It's redemption for the players that got outcast by Parker, the Knockarts, the Mawsons, uh, even Hector. Um, it's for them, Mitrovic, of course. It's it's redemption for them to prove Parker wrong and prove that they are good enough to get us back up and they are good enough in future seasons to play in the Premier League. And it's also redemption for Marco, Marco Silva. He, he had a bit of a tough time in Everton. He... And because of that, you know, the English press, the English football in England in general kind of don't really rate him anymore. When, you know, when he was at Watford and at Hull, he was this exciting new manager and Everton kind of ruined him. So it's redemption for him as well, for him to try and prove everyone wrong and say, hang on, I am a good manager. You know, look at look how I can smash the championship with this Fulham team. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of redemption going on this season and I'm all here for it. Yeah, 100%. Me too. Um... Middlesbrough. Let's just really quickly talk about them. Um, they brought in winger Sami Amiobi after he was released by Nottingham Forest. Uh, striker Uche Ikpiazu from Wickham Wanderers and defender Lee Peltier, who was part of Warnock's Cardiff City squad that pipped us to second place in the championship in 17-18. But they did lose striker Britta Sombolonga. Guys, where do you see them finishing up this season? For context, I had a quick look at 4-4-2 yesterday, the magazine, and they think that they'll finish 11th, although their Middlesbrough correspondent thinks they'll finish 6th and, and um, make the playoffs. I, f- I feel like they're probably going to finish mid-table. They've lost a hell of a lot of players and their their squad for me looks rather threadbare. Dom, how do you see it? Warnock is one of those unknown... He can have a good season with mediocre players and then right. he can have great players and everything falls apart and you know right. he, he's fired and, and sacked. So... I, I was looking at their squad. I kind of see them maybe, you're right, mid-table. I'm thinking a little more towards 10th. 
but he, remember in, in 1718, he really went about his business as usual, real quiet, like, and they were winning. So, you know, when we were all making all kinds of noise and stuff, everybody was like, well, where the hell is he coming from? So you never know. They could end up being in that top six and fighting for, uh, you know, a playoff spot. So. Isn't this the beauty of the championship over the Premier League? In the Premier League, you kind of know who will probably finish in the top six. You probably know who's going to finish in the bottom four, five, six, just at the start of the season. You know who's going to be in the mix. But in the championship, anything can happen. There's a lot. It's a pretty level playing field. All right, there's some some squads like ours who are, have, have still got the parachute payments from the Premier League and West Brom. And of course, you know, the, the pandemic's probably hit some of the smaller squads quite hard. Um, but generally, you and I and Stato and everybody else, if you were to write down the order of that championship, it would probably all be significantly different. It's going to be all over the place. And, and, you know, the other thing to keep in mind is there's always those teams that they start out strong and then, you know, they fall apart and end up in the bottom third. Mm -hmm. Or there's those teams that start out real shitty, have a real slow start and knock on wood, you know, Fulham actually have that dang reputation. We start out slow. You know, we, we always seem to. So there's always the teams that start out slow, and then all of a sudden, boom, they're taking it by storm. So as you say, it's going to be hard to decide. The thing I'm really going to be interested in, though, is to see what playing style, because as, as uh, Stato was saying, you know, it's redemption time for a lot of the players and the manager. What kind of playing style are we going to go for? Are we going to be... Everybody calls it Parker ball, but it's the modern era. Are we going to be sitting back and passing the ball a hundred times backwards, sideways, or are we going to see with players like uh, Caballo and everyone, maybe a little more creativity and more balls going forward and getting something happening to where Metro sees the ball more and starts banging in the goals. Let's, let's hope it's more attacking. That's for sure. We're, we'll need to really take uh, take the ball by the horns on Sunday against the Warnock side. Um, you were talking about the championship there and how unpredictable it can be. I remember Millwall one year were top of the league at Christmas and ended up getting relegated. Reading, I think, were un, unbeaten in their first eight, nine, ten games last season. The top of the league and flying, didn't even make the playoffs in the end. So, you know, that that, that can absolutely happen. Stato, how, how do you see Middlesbrough's season going? Yeah, so you look at their squad and it's a bang average championship squad. And I don't... So I don't mean that in, oh, they're going to be a piss-easy team. I say that in the complete opposite, because if Neil Warnock's in charge of a bang-average championship squad, they have every chance of being up there, because that's what he yeah. does. He 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 loves the championship. He he lives for it. It's what, it's what, it's what he does. And he's got those bang-average championship players, the Sammy Emiobis, who's only 29, which kind of shocks me. Um, Lee Peltier and all those other players they've got are already part of the squad and you know they're going to they're going to be a threat and they're going to be it's going to be a, a tough game on Sunday very tough game it, it almost reminds me um, when we first got well not when we first got relegated when we first got relegated under the Cairns in 13-14 first game of the season um, I believe it was Ipswich away Portman Road and I think it was Mick McCarthy in charge of Ipswich and we had just got relegated. So, you know, I was full of optimism. It's like, oh, like, oh, Sandy Yep said we're going to beat them. And I think it was a 2 1 loss. We took or we lost 1 0 or 2 1. And, you know, this time around, it's, it's a similar situation. It's Middlesbrough, a team who've been in the championship for a long time, like Ipswich were. 
under the manager who knows the league, Warner McCarthy, little difference. And yeah, it's going to be tough. And, you know, we need to be ready for that. And, you know, I like to think we have the players who have that championship experience, who know this and will be approaching the game in the correct manner. The only difference this time round, mate, is that Felix McGat is absolutely nowhere near West London. So, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, let, let's talk, let's talk about a lineup prediction. Then, how, how do you see the team? And for, just again for context, I'll just really quickly read out the lineup from the Charleston game um, last Saturday. And bearing in mind, I said that uh, he, he likes Marco Silva likes a four-three-three or a four-two-three-one. So there was Gazaniga in goal. The back four with Tete, Tosin, Reem, and Robinson. Then the three in midfield were uh, Carvalho, Anguisa and Francois. And then the three up front were Cabano, Mitro and Knockhart. How, how do you see it, Don? What, what do you think the lineup's going to be? I, I'm, I'm not going to go make my lineup based on the Charleston game just because it, it was an opening game and he was still looking at probably players. Um, Danny actually posted a lineup that I thought was pretty good. Uh, you know, so in the back... It's Rodux to to lose. So, you know, he's got to get in there. He's got to make it happen. He's got to prove, hey, this is, I'm the number one. This is, this is how it's going to be. So I personally, I I start with him across the back, Tay, Tawson. I'm putting in Reem. He becomes the captain. I know a lot of people think he's over the hill. His days are numbered, but I've seen him in the gold cup or I mean the, 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 Nations Cup over here in Concaf, and I and I thought he actually played very well. He uh, he did a great job when he played. Uh, it was limited time that he played, but he still did a great job. I thought. And then I'm going to start with Brian, actually o- over uh, Robinson. And it's not that I don't think Robinson should be starting. I I think it's going to be horses for courses. You know, it's going to depend on who we're playing and, and the things that are going on as far as those two. I just like how Brian. He's kind of got a little bit more flair. I loved when he took that shot on. He, you know, he comes on the field against Charleston. Boom, he, he's taking that shot. So, for me, Danny's got Angisa and, and uh, Franco uh, in the middle, or you know, playing in a four-four-two in in those holding midfield. I, instead of Angisa, I really am hoping that Reed is good to go, and that he he's sitting back there playing instead. And then he's got Wilson. Carvalho and Cav and then Metro. And I, I, I really like this lineup with the exception of Angisa. I don't know if I think he's going to be a good player. I think he's going to have a lot to do hopefully this with this season. But for me, Reed is key right now. Uh, he just kind of locks everything together from midfield going forward or midfield coming back into defense. So I really, really hope Reed stays healthy and that he's that guy for us. I think, um, I, I have to disagree with you about Angisa. I think Angisa, if he plays for us, will be one of the best players in the championship. He's a he's an unbelievable player. And all right, he went off the boil last season in the Premier League, but at the championship level, he will dominate that league. Um, I, I agree with you in the most part, what you said about the team, actually. I've gone Rodak, Tese, Tussin, Ream and Brian at the back. Then the, the three in front, I've gone Reed and Angisa and Carvalho for, for Sunday. And then up front, I've gone Mitrovic with Wilson and Knockart either side of him. Um, I think that can that can quite easily uh, transperse between uh, 4-2-3-1 and, and 4-3-3. Stato, what are your thoughts, mate? I actually think that the Chelsea game was almost a, 
a test run for what the type of team that he will be playing next week. So I think we'll be seeing Gazaniga in go. It's not to say that he will be number one for the season, but I think um, Rodak wasn't even on the bench, so maybe he's got a knock. So because of that, Gazaniga will be playing. I think the back four will stay the same, although I would I would prefer to see Brian over Robinson. Um, but I think that back four will stay the same. So Tete, Tosin, uh, Reem and Robinson. The midfield, so if we're going for that 4-3-3, I think we'll be seeing Anguisa starting. If Harrison Reed is fit, he plays. If not, it will have to be uh, Tyrese uh, Francois. Then it's the attacking four almost. So who plays in that number 10 attacking row? Who Mitro up top, obviously, and then who plays out wide? I think Cavalier will play in that kind of front three behind Mitro, along with, I want to say... Uh, Harry Wilson and Knockart. I don't know in what order those three will play, so I don't know who'll be in the 10, who'll be on the right, who'll be the left, but I reckon it'll be those three behind Mitro. Interesting. None of us chose Hector. That's number one. Also interesting is both of you have Knocky in there. (laughs) For some reason, I see this pod getting a lot of hate mail. No, I I think it's based based on last week's game. Um, I think uh, uh, Cavalero wasn't quite fit enough for it. So there's a question mark over his match fitness. And he's been playing. So okay. whether he'll yes. be there for the season, I don't know. But that's that's how I see it going for this week. Okay, so and I think- how do you guys really feel about Knockhart, though? Because I got to tell you, I've never really seen him produce a lot. I mean, he, he looks like he's going 100 miles an hour. Oh, my God, things are going to happen. And then... Poof. <laughs> it just poof. Well, he's been promoted from this division multiple times, hasn't he? He um I don't think I think he got quite an unfair ride when we got promoted last time. He was frustrating at times, but I I think if um uh, if Marco Silva can get the best out of him, then we've got a, a really good option there. Now don't get me but, wrong, his, his enthusiasm like when he's running around on the field and he's pumping his fist and everything, I love his enthusiasm. I just, I don't see in product. Yeah, he's a bit of a passion merchant at times, but like um, Frenchie said, he did get a bit of a, um, to get, yeah, he, he, I think he got a bit of unfair stick when we got promoted. He did play a, a large part of our promotion season and I think he did get a bit, unfairly discarded as soon as we got promoted he didn't even get a chance of us in the Premier League and looking at the attacking options we had in the Prem he couldn't have done any worse to be fair um just going back to the whole Hector situation again um he just come back from he's just only come back from gold cup duty with Jamaica along with Bobby Decadova Reed um hence why you know I don't think they'll be in contention I think they'll still need a few more weeks to kind of get up to speed with the rest of the team uh, so on a side, not on a side note, but continuing on about Hector, just so you guys know, I did watch uh, the whole, uh, so CONCAF had two competitions, you know, we had our nation's or our, yeah, our nation's uh, competition, then we had our Gold Cup. He really did not feature a lot in either competition. Now, he didn't actually feature, I don't think at all, in the Gold Cup. Bobby didn't feature in the beginning of the Gold Cup, but I think it was because he had to quarantine or something because of COVID. He did feature there towards the end, and I thought he actually played very well. Um, when Hector did play, the few times I saw him, they did not play him as a center back. They played him as like a holding defender. So take that for what it is. 
That's what he used to play there for Reading, to be fair. So, but yeah, I mean, it, it's difficult to predict at the moment. Again, with the centre back situation, I'm going solely off the fact that um, Tassin and uh, Reem were the two uh, in the friendly last week. But we don't know who's going to be moved on at the moment. Potentially, it could be Congolo and Hector, or it could be Congolo and Mawson by the end of the season. Um, if those two can, you know, stay fit, they're they're probably um, two of the better options. But but at the moment, it's it's just impossible because there's so many to choose from. Um, we we don't know who's going to be moved on. Um, it's all guesswork at this point, isn't it? It's the start of the season. It's not like we've got any any previous form to go on or anything. Um, new new slate, new season. So so let's wait and see. Um, right, finally, lads, a score prediction. Stato, how do you see the game going? So. I think we'll get the win, but you know I'm not expecting us to be. It's not, it's not going to be a big win, like we, like we've mentioned before. Like we've mentioned on this pod, it's it's Neil Warnock. It's going to be a tough game. It's it's still it's the first game of the season, and you know it's going to take a while before Marco Silva can kind of implement his ideas and his system into this team. So we're not going to be kind of fully functioning like we'd like like he'd like us to um, yet. But I still think we'll get the wings. We just have that quality of the squad. So I'm going for a, what's that, two one win. Yeah, I think I think I agree with everything that you've just said. But I th- I think it'll be two nil. Um, and I see there being people groaning about how we didn't blow them off the park and and whatnot. It's going to be a long season. But I, I do see us getting the win. And I see this I see this being a, a slow burner of a season that we'll we'll grow into. And I, I think we'll have I think we'll have a good season this season as well. Don, as I mentioned before, you know we always seem to get a slow start. So I'm really hoping this is not going to be one of those seasons. I like the two win situation. Uh, I could I could see two, two two to one situation. I could see that happening. Um, my thing is I don't think we'll get two zero just because. I don't think we're quite tightened up in the back. You know what I mean? I, I could see one slipping through somewhere. So the question is going to be how bad it is and how, how it gets in. Um, I, I think it'll be 2-1. Although I could see a 1-0. It'd just be a slow grind, you know, with not a lot happening. Yeah, this game, to be honest, I know last season was boring and the season before under Parker was boring, but we got promoted. But to start off the season, I I don't expect anything glamorous a ground out one nil victory will do me um, just as we, as we try and find our feet and find our best team and wait for a few new signings as well. So that would absolutely do me three points is three points, isn't it? Let's, let's keep our fingers crossed. All right, chaps. Thanks for that. Thanks for listening, folks. I'm looking forward to being back amongst you all on Sunday again. We'll be back to bring you all the fallout from the game first thing on Monday morning UK time. And I'll have Baldo and Wigo with me. So hopefully we'll be talking about a big three points to get the season up and running. See you all on Sunday then. Cheers. Fulham.